I don't think we ever got to tell everybody that a week and a half ago, our full episode, <laughs> what was it about? What oh, was it about? I, it was mine and it was about Lars. Yes, yes, yes. Missing the, in Germany. Or first, 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 very good. That is almost exactly how it's pronounced. Yep. I am definitely the expert yes. on all pronunciations. Lars, everything. Yep. If you listen to that episode, you may have heard us a few times reference <laughs> the amount of noise going on. And we were like, what is like, happening? It was just helicopters. Yeah. It was so loud. And finally, after we <laughs> got through the episode, Kara leaves. And then we learned that the president <laughs> was of, going... the, of the United States. Yeah. Had and is flown crew. over. Yeah. Yeah. We're landing at the Lexington Airport. Yeah. And then they were traveling to Eastern Kentucky to speak with like the a five helicopters. Speak with the flood victims. So our bad. Yeah. It was actual helicopters and they were loud. Props to <laughs> props to Air yeah. Force One. <laughs> I tell you, we went with my job, we went to Eastern Kentucky to see the floods. Or not to see the floods, but to feed people who had been right. affected by yeah. the floods. And man, it was really it was really awful. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You know, I went to Western Kentucky when the tornadoes happened. Right. Isn't it crazy that we've had, like, Western Kentucky got hit with the tornadoes right. that was, like, a once-in-a-lifetime uh-huh. awful tornado. Yeah. And it was in December. And these floods, yeah. once-in-a-lifetime awful yeah. floods. Anyway, so when we went to Western Kentucky, that town was leveled. Yeah. So the people who lived there were not there anymore. They right. had gone to stay. It was just the people working in different to places. Clean up. Yeah. yeah, which was still good. Like we right. helped those people. They needed food. They right. were working. I met so many great people who were working just around the clock. Yeah, to rebuild that right and volunteer community. firefighters mm-hmm. from other communities. A lot of electricians. Yeah. This time, though, the people we were serving food to were the people. Were the people who the victims lost people they loved, lost homes they had yeah. worked so hard for. And Eastern Kentucky is not a wealthy area. No, These no. people Hazard Hindman. work very hard. Hindman is where we were. I actually grew up with a bunch of guys from Hindman. We played volleyball with them all the time. I we went to like state competitions with them all the time. And I still keep up with them on Facebook. And one of them is still an EMT there. Mm-mm. And him and his wife and I think three girls, their house is like destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then another one, his son was staying with we call her grand grand in her house there and they luckily were able to get to shelter before that happened and they mm-hmm. finally got a hold of their son was like okay but is everything okay like is grand grand okay because mm-hmm. she's older yeah and so it's scary and so there they, were just it happened so fast yeah and so many people didn't know what was right right um i heard a lot of them live in like mobile homes and stuff oh yeah i saw several mobile homes that had very obviously been just like they were just pushed to the side of the road they had been washed down from who knows where schools yeah and everyone told me that like the destruction that i was seeing just on the drive into town Mm -hmm. and then where we were setting up um was nothing compared to what was like oh yeah for sure yeah but there was a, a friend of mine who told me about his sister-in-law and her husband by the time they left the house the water was already waist high oh my god and they basically just started climbing up the mountain to try to get high enough and they were holding on to the guardrail <gasps> just to get oh up and i just can't imagine how terrifying it would have been and then think if you have kids on top right, of that exactly or your pets like your pets i mean if there was there a was, flood i'm carrying decks exactly. everywhere <laughs> like there was an article sophie showed me that some guy stuck around to like let other people's oh, horses out yeah and a lot of them survived. Yeah. Because horses, they're actually good swimmers, but 
Jeez. It's just terrible. And we saw a lot of homes that were just like brick homes. Mm -hmm. So the homes were still standing, but all the windows were gone. Right. There was a huge pile of debris where they got yes, cleaned yeah. out. You could just tell the water had just rushed through it. Like Ripped water everything is apart. Terrifying. Well, and then you've got to deal with like mold and yeah, it's just awful. after that. And these people don't have the money to recuperate. No. So hopefully FEMA and whatnot. I know, but yeah. I, I can't remember what the number is, but the number I'd heard that FEMA was able to give everybody is not a It's lot. not, no, it never is. Anyway, so that's what the president was doing. He was flying over my house yeah. and did not even stop to say hi. Or I know, didn't wave at us. And then, <laughs> you don't know. Well, he may have waved. He probably they What You know what? They probably were flying circles Maybe around they, the yeah, house like, with well, a banner saying, which is Magic Murder Mystery, we love you. We didn't even see it. We were so Gosh, ungrateful. Shit. Yeah. We'll have to write so That's on us, really. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> we'll stop complaining. <laughs> okay. This story is right up there with the magic bag story oh the mm -hmm. the amazing muscular dexterity of yes her vaginal walls yes mm -hmm. i have told this one to several people oh my god i can't wait i can't always tell you either so i can't wait are mm -hmm. you ready i think so yeah um hey this is the witch's magic murder right. and mystery podcast oh yeah here we are uh i'm kara i'm megan we're okay. only like six minutes in it's fine <sighs> elmer mccurdy what a name isn't it Elmer. He was born in Washington, Maine. Okay. January 1st, 1880. Okay. So he was a New Year's Day baby. Oh, man. Born right there on the holiday, which right. is just... smack dab in it. Yeah. My brother was born on New Year's Eve. Wow. Which, like, fine being on that holiday, but you're, like, six days past right. Christmas, which just right. sucks. Okay. So his family history, Elmer's, is a little <laughs> sad. His mother, Sadie... I love the name Sadie. I know. She wasn't married when she had him, which, as we all know... Is the worst thing that could ever happen oh, to a woman. You ever, ever, ever. Think about it. And in order to save her the embarrassment of raising an illegitimate child, Elmer was adopted by Sadie's brother, George, and his wife, Helen. So, Uncle George and Aunt Helen raised Elmer, but they didn't tell him that they oh. weren't his real parents. He probably looked like them. Probably, because they're all related. Mm -hmm. Then when he was 10, George died of tuberculosis. So mm -hmm. then Sadie and Helen raised him together. Him together. Okay. And they moved with George to... Bangor, Maine. Okay. Have you ever seen the Bangor, Maine Police Department Facebook page? No. Is it amazing? It's perfect. Oh like, gosh. everybody just go look it up. Whoever runs it, they just are so entertaining. I love them so much. Maybe we should just, like, They're share just it on really the Facebook funny. page. Yeah. I'll probably just put it in the Facebook group. They have 330,000 followers. Yeah, because they're hilarious. Okay. Eventually, not sure how old he was when this happened, mm -hmm. Sadie told Elmer, hey, I'm your real mom. Okay. And I don't actually know who your dad, is. your dad is. Okay. Elmer did not take the news well. Oh, he didn't. He began acting out and they described him as unruly and rebellious. Oh, all of a sudden. I, he's a little boy. Like, right. So when he was a teenager, he started drinking pretty heavily and that habit stuck with him for the rest of his life. Ugh. So he moved in with his grandfather and became an apprentice plumber. Hmm. And things were going pretty well for him until 1898 when he lost his job. Oh. Apparently, there was some sort of depression. Mm. It's not like the Great Depression, right. but there right. was definitely an economic downturn across the country. And so people are like, I'm doing my own plumbing. So he was 18 then. Okay. Two years later, his mother died. And I assume by his mother, they mean Sadie, Sadie. at that point. Okay. And then a month after that, his grandfather died. Jeez. There's no mention of what happened to his Aunt Helen. Okay. But at this point, Elmer just sort of 
He's an adult. He wanders right. off. Yeah. So he leaves Maine and he travels around pretty much sticking to the eastern United States. Okay. He works as a miner and a plumber. He's still drinking. Mm-hmm. And his drinking, he's drinking so much that it's growing harder and harder to keep a job. Like oh. It's really interfering with that. Oh. In 1907, mm-hmm. in 1907, <laughs> Elmer joined the Army where he was a machine gun operator. And while he was in the Army, he was trained to use nitroglycerin for demolition purposes before being honorably discharged in 1910. So when I was reading all this, I had to stop right there and look up nitroglycerin because the only thing I knew about it is that my mom and my papa have to take nitroglycerin pills for their hearts. Right. So I was like, nitroglycerin for demolition purposes? What what is this? Like, what are they putting in their bodies? As it turns out, Nitroglycerin has been used as an active ingredient in the creation of explosives, <gasps> namely dynamite, ever since it was invented in 1847. Don't so, ever light a match around their pills. The more you know. <laughs> okay. So Elmer gets out of the army and about two weeks later, he meets up with one of his army buddies okay. in Kansas. And that's where he gets arrested. Oh. Along with his friend for possession of burglary paraphernalia, which oh. I was like. What you burglarizing with? But I'm surprised that they could arrest him mm-hmm. for having... So he had like chisels, hacksaw, gunpowder, money sacks, and funnels. I guess it's the money sacks. Oh, uh, maybe. Because like, that was kind of his job. I mean, I, I'm like, the rest of it, I would just kind of be like, I don't know, you got a bunch of stuff, but I can't right. prove any of it. Right, exactly. So they go to court, and Elmer and his friend are like, no, we weren't going to rob anybody. Right. You guys. We have all this stuff because we're inventing a foot-operated machine gun. Oh, but mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. a jury the found them bags. not guilty. Oh, the jury was like, "Sure, they are." We love this. We want to be a yeah, part of that. TM us <sighs> into it. <laughs> Elmer is released from jail. So since they didn't find him guilty, right. they've been holding him until then. Right. And then in March 1911, he moves to Oklahoma, hmm. which is where his fairly terrible career as a robber begins. Oh man. Okay. Okay. On March 24th, Elmer and three other men robbed the Iron Mountain Missouri Pacific train number 104 Mm. because Elmer had heard that one of the cars held a safe containing $4,000. It's 1911, so that's a lot of money. money. It's a lot of money now. I mean, I wouldn't turn my nose up at $4,000. They stopped the train, found the safe, and then Elmer's like, I was trained to use nitroglycerin. So he makes this, like, they call it like a nitroglycerin charge, which I assume is just a little bomb. Dynamite, yeah. On the safe to open it. Mm-hmm. But see, you know how we're not good at math? Yeah. I don't know how great he was at oh, that sort agree. of thing either yeah, yeah. because he put too much. Oh, and it obliterated it. Yeah. All. So not only did the safe blow up, the but it destroyed most of the money in it too. Oh. And what they did was that a lot of the silver had melted onto like what was left of the safe. So they had to scrape off mm. and they made off with about $450. Oh, between the four men. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Months later, on September 21st, 1911, Elmore found himself back in Kansas, mm. where he and a couple other guys go to rob the Citizens Bank of Chautauqua. Mm. Good. So good. He took a hammer oh. and he spent two hours breaking through the wall of the bank. Son, what you doing over there? I would assume this I'm fixing this brick on the day when the bank was closed. Yeah. And maybe at night because you're there for two hours with a hammer. Hammering away. Yeah. Took him two hours to break through the wall of the bank and then he pulls out another nitroglycerin charge. Mm-hmm. He's learned a lot. He knows all about it. He puts it around the door of the bank's outer vault. This time, 
It was a little more successful. Okay. It blew the door off the outer vault. Oh. And threw that door through the interior of the bank. Hmm. But the safe inside the vault was not not harmed at all. It's perfectly fine. Okay. So at this point, I feel a little sorry yeah. for Elmer. Yeah. I can just imagine him being like, back up, guys. I got to make another one. Yeah. So he does have another oh. nitroglycerin charge. So he takes it and he puts it on the safe door. But this one won't ignite. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Elmer. Honey. Elmer, just stop. So You're not good at this anymore. Elmer is a little. Yeah, I'm not sure he ever was. Elmer and his little robber friends had a lookout. And oh after the second charge didn't ignite, the lookout was like, guys, I'm out of here. Deuces. Yeah. So then Elmer and his buddies just end up taking some of the coins that were in a tray outside the safe. <laughs> so it was about $150. <laughs> it's like something that the staff was just like, we'll deal with this tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah. $150 and ran. That's amazing. So Elmer heads back to Oklahoma. Okay. And he commits one last robbery. Oh, Elmer. On October 4th, mm-hmm. 1911, mm-hmm. he and two accomplices heard that a Katy train okay. containing $400,000 oh my geez. in cash that was intended as a royalty payment to the Osage Nation hmm. was coming through. Okay. So I stopped because I was like, I don't know what any of these things are. Right. So what's a Katy train, mm-hmm. you ask? The Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railway, established in 1865, was commonly referred to as the KT for Kansas-Texas. Okay. So the trains were nicknamed the KT. Okay. Now, this is... I just know about 310 to Yuma. That's... Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the next one is, do you know this? Why were royalties being paid to the Osage Nation? Because they felt sorry for them. Oh, wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Yeah. That is so not it. (laughs) It gets real bad. So I was just, I couldn't let that question go. So I stopped and researched it. And this is going to be actually an extra episode. I did not expect it to turn into like another thing I could do an episode on, but it's going to be an extra episode on the Patreon and it should be up in the next day or two. Here's the short version. Mm -hmm. There was oil on the Osage Reservation, and the Osage were one of the few Native American tribes to actually own their land. Oh, okay, yeah. So the government couldn't just take it from them. Yeah. So companies paid the Osage royalties for the oil produced on the reservation, and this led to a lot of money for the Osage tribe. At first, I'm reading all this, and I'm like, what? Like, we did the right thing then. Yeah. We paid them for the oil that was theirs, and their Native Americans. the resources that we're getting from them, yeah. So I'm I'm feeling kind of good about it Mm -hmm. until... I kept reading. You know, I had this moment where, like, the government actually helped them. Yeah. But no. Mm. Turns out (laughs) there's a lot to this story, including murder. So went ahead, researched it, wrote another episode about it. It's a really fascinating and terrible story. I also think it's just a really important story. Right. There's so many things about it that were brand new information to me. Y'all need to know. So it'll be up on the Patreon. The goal will be tomorrow. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. 
Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so bright. Handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against the ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly, wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm -hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's going to be so tangled. Not with this one. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Summer is the season of hot temperatures, outdoor adventures, and refreshing water activities. Summer is also the season of rough on your feet causing dry, cracked heels and toes. Introducing Babyfoot, the original exfoliation foot peel that contains 16 natural extracts formulated to remove dead skin cells in three easy steps. Apply the booties, relax for an hour, then wash your feet. In 14 days, you've got baby smooth skin and your feet have never been softer. Letting dead skin cells build up over time is hazardous to your foot health. Our professional-grade DIY products, like our original exfoliation foot peel, our men's foot peel, or our moisturizing mask, are some of the best foot care products on the market. Created with your foot health in mind. Pamper yourself with a spa day from the comfort and convenience of your own home with Babyfoot. If you want a chemical-free, easy-to-use exfoliating process from the company that created the original foot peel, it's time to treat yourself to Babyfoot. Go to babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24 and get 20% off your first order with Babyfoot. That's babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24. Okay, back to Elmer. So he's like, we're going to rob this Katie train and Mm -hmm. get $400,000. Finally, we're going to do it. My last two robberies produced $600 total, which I had to split with other people. And, and right. that's a math problem I'm not yeah, going to do. Yeah, I got nothing. But this is $400,000. And we don't have to be math wizards to know that that's going to be That's more. a lot of money. That's a lot more. Mm-hmm. So Elmer and his accomplices are ready. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> they're so ready. Okay. And they're so excited. This is going to change their life. They go out there. They stop the train. It's the wrong train. Stop it. They didn't stop the Katie train carrying $400,000, Kara. No. Instead, they stopped passenger train number 29. But don't worry. They were still able to steal some stuff. Did they? They got $46 from the mail clerk. 
some two demijohns of whiskey. I'll look that up. I think it's like two 15 well, gallon yeah. containers. Little growlers. A revolver, a coat, oh. and the train conductor's watch. Stop it. I feel like they were just wandering through being like, I'll take that. Yeah. Well, just give me that watch too. You know, like, I can't. I'm so mad about this. What do you got? That scarf, I'll take yeah. it. All right. Just take whatever you can. Yeah. I get. I mean, yeah. They thought they were getting that brooch on your dress. I'll take it. Yeah. Four hundred thousand dollars, and the other trains just like true, true next to us, <laughs> waving. Yeah, y'all okay in there? A newspaper called it one of the smallest in the history of train robbery. <laughs> Elmer, <laughs> bless his heart. Oh, so oh Elmer took his whiskey and headed to a ranch, where he stayed up drinking with some of the ranch hands before mm-hmm. falling asleep in a hayloft. Three sheriffs tracked him to that hayloft on October 7th, 1911. There was a $2,000 reward for his capture. That's more than he got. I was going to say, he could have turned himself in and made more money. Exactly. Than he did in his entire armed robber career. (laughs) (laughs) Poor bud. So the three sheriffs surrounded the hay shed. They wait for the sun to come up. And here's how it went down. According to one of the sheriffs, his name is Bob Fenton. And then the October 8th, 1911 edition of the Daily Examiner. Amazing. This is what he said. It began just about seven o'clock. We were standing around waiting for him to come out when the first shot was fired at me. Oh. It missed me. And then he turned his attention to my brother, Stringer Fenton. Oh, man. He shot three times at Stringer. And when my brother got undercover, he turned his attention to Dick Wallace. So he kept shooting at all of us for about an hour. And we fired back every time we could. Oh, my gosh. Elmer was killed by a single gunshot wound oh. to the chest, which he sustained while lying down. The three sheriffs weren't sure which of their bullets killed him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now this sounds like I'm at the end. Right. But I'm not. R.I.P. Elmer. Oh, okay. I wish I was, honestly. Because I get that he's, like, not the best guy. Right. But it's also like, man, really? He struggled. Because, my darlings, there is more. To oh Elmer's story, it does not end. It doesn't with end. his death. Okay, Elmer's body is taken to an undertaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Joseph L. Johnson. Joe but Johnson. Nobody came to claim Elmer's body. Oh, so Mr. Johnson went ahead and embalmed the body with arsenic-based preservative. That was kind of common back right. then. Right. That's like what you wanted to do. It would preserve the body right. for a long period of time. And I think the point was, let's preserve the body as long as we can in case mm-hmm. someone shows up to yeah. find him. It was also common back then to go ahead and preserve the bodies and then put them on display to sort of show off what you can do as an undertaker. It's like advertising. So Johnson shaved Elmer, put a suit on him, and stored him in the back of the funeral home. Now, since no one ever came to claim the body, there was no one to pay for the work that Joseph Mm -hmm. had done to get the body ready. Right. And he refused to bury or release the body until he got paid. Oh. So there he is, and he has this well-preserved, well-dressed body, and he needs some money so he did the only thing he could do, Kara. Hmm. He uh, he pulled Elmer's body out of storage, took the suit off of him, put him in street clothes, placed a rifle in his hands, stood Elmer in the corner of the funeral home, and he called Elmer the bandit who wouldn't give up. Oh. And he charged visitors a nickel to come and see him. Wow. Yeah. Well. He's also known as the mystery man of many aliases, the Oklahoma outlaw, and the embalmed bandit. When people came to view him, Kara, this is fun. They had to pay that fee, right? Guess, um, guess what? How they paid it? They stuck it in his mouth. Oh, like, like a like really weird arcade game. Machine. Uh-huh. Huh? Yeah. Just can you imagine walking up to a dead body 
and slide the jaw down with your fingers, <laughs> pushing a quarter into his mouth. Uh, do you take the tongue out when they're done? Oh, God. <laughs> Kara, how much room is there to get a quarter down or a nickel? <laughs> what did nickels look like back then? Well, and then at the end of the day, did the undertaker then go in and just like clear out all the nickels? Right, like set him upside down and shake him? <laughs> what did he do? Then on October 6th, 1916, almost exactly five years mm-hmm. after Elmer died, mm-hmm. two men show up at the funeral home claiming to be Elmer's brothers. Oh. So first off, let's acknowledge it's just been on display for five years, basically. Just five. A little less than five. Just five. One That's of a lot of nickels. Had already talked. So one of those brothers had already uh-huh. talked to the sheriff and a local attorney okay. and got permission to take Elmer's body and ship it to San Francisco oh, for wow. a proper burial. Oh, okay. Elmer did not have any brothers. Uh, these two men were Charles and James Patterson. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you recognize James Patterson is mm-hmm. the best-selling author of mm-hmm. several thrillers. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. same. Not the same. Okay. These two brothers were the owners for the nickels. of a traveling carnival known as the Great Patterson stop Carnival it. Show. Stop it. Stop they did it. not ship the body to San Francisco. <gasps> and instead, it became the new feature in their carnival known as the outlaw who would never be captured alive. And that's where Elmer stayed until 1922, when a man named Louis Sonny bought the Patterson Carnival. Elmer then became part of Sonny's Traveling Museum of Crime, which featured wax figures of famous outlaws like Jesse James and Bill Doolin. Correct. He's not wax. He is not wax. Mm -mm. He's full of arsenic. You can Google him, you guys. and You can Google something. (laughs) It's really incredible what he looked like. Wow. In 1933, Sonny let director Dwayne Esper use Elmer's corpse to promote his film, Narcotic, with an exclamation point at the end. Mm. The body was placed in the lobby of theaters as a, quote, dead dope fiend. Stop it. The director told everyone, yeah, this guy, it's this body here. This is a guy who wanted drugs so bad, he robbed a drugstore to support his habit, and the police surrounded him, and he killed himself. He had a gun wound to his abdomen. This is all fake, obviously. Right. But, of course, you know, they used it. That was the story. That was the marketing in 1933. So, at that point, Elmer has been dead for 22 years. Yeah. The body had become mummified, Mm -hmm. causing the skin to become hard and shriveled. Esper, the director, was like, yeah, see how the skin is deteriorating? That's proof that he was a drug addict. Okay. No, but that disease body is old. Louis Sonny died in 1949, and Elmer's body went into storage in Los Angeles. In 1964, 53 years after he had died in a shootout with the police, Elmer wound up with another filmmaker, David F. Freeman, and actually appeared briefly in the 1967 film She Freak. She's a In 1968, Dan Sonny, who is Louis Sonny's son. So many Sonny's. There's so many. Dan inherited all of his dad's things. Okay. okay. So Dan sold Elmer's body along with other wax figures for $10,000 to the owner of the Hollywood Wax Museum. Okay. That guy gave the body to two men who took Elmer to an exhibit at Mount Rushmore. What? I don't know. I don't know. And while it was there, there was a big windstorm. Oh, my God. That caused some damage to the body. The tips of the ears, fingers, and toes were all blown off. The men returned Elmer's body saying it looked too gruesome and not lifelike enough. It's been dead for a bit, guys. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure at this point 
who knew this was an actual body and who thought it was just a wax figure. Right. So next, Elmer was sold to a man named Ed Lyers, who had some ownership of a place called The Pipe, which was an amusement zone in Long Beach, California. In 1976, Elmer's corpse was hanging there at The Pipe in the Laugh in the Dark Funhouse exhibition. So... I mean, we've heard this urban legend, right? Like, there's this haunted house, and there's right. an actual dead body mm-hmm. in there. That's actually what this was. Oh, it's a real God. thing. He was an actual dead body. It's house. 1976. He's been dead since, what, 1912 yeah. or something. So, back in the 70s, there was this TV show called The Six Million Dollar Man. Have you heard of it? No. It was a really popular TV show. Um, it was a science fiction action show about a former astronaut played by Lee Majors. It was really popular. It ran from 1973 to 1978. Okay. On December 8th, 1976, they are filming some scenes for that show inside the funhouse at the Pike. Oh, my God. A prop man moves what he thinks is a <gasps> wax mannequin, and the mannequin's arm breaks off. And they're like, ah, oh, we better fix that. And then when they look at it, they're like, there's a... There's a bone in there. There's a bone and some (gasps) muscle tissue. Police and firefighters came, and apparently they called the paramedics and reported a severe case of dehydration. This guy's been dead forever. Yeah, which is it's just the kind of dark humor I enjoy in a person. Yeah. Like, listen, we got a really dehydrated guy here. Yeah. And when the paramedics showed up, they all got a big laugh out of it. But <laughs> Elmer amazing. was taken to the L.A. coroner's office where an autopsy was performed the following day. And that's when they, they figured out this is the body of a male who had died of a gunshot wound to his chest. And his body was completely petrified. Covered oh in layers of wax and paint. Oh, my God. By this point, Elmer's body had been through a lot. Aside from that windstorm that, yes. you know, fingers, took off nose, certain fingers, parts. Toes. His body had been drilled into, glued, <gasps> mechanized to twitch. <gasps> I'm assuming because the funhouse thing. Right. Um, and painted neon orange. Why? I don't know. Some hair was still visible on the side oh and back God, of his head. Oh, God. The doctor who did this autopsy could also see incisions from Elmer's original autopsy and embalming, and he discovered the presence of arsenic, which kind of gave them an idea of how long ago the body had been embalmed. Arsenic had been part of embalming fluid up until the late 1920s. Oh, my God. Along with that, they found the bullet jacket from the bullet that had killed him still inside his body. What? Guess what else they found? I don't know. Inside his mouth, when they took out his jaw for dental analysis- They found a 1924 penny, a ticket <gasps> stub. Put money. Yes. A ticket stub to the Pike exhibit and a ticket stub to Louis Sonny's Museum of Crime. So that ticket stub, that last one, led them to Dan Sonny. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's Elmer McCurdy. So Dan knew. <gasps> oh, my gosh. When he sold it to the yeah. Wax Museum, he knew. Yeah. There must have been records because he's right. like, yeah, that's Elmer McCurdy. Yeah. Forensic anthropologist Dr. Clyde Snow took radiographic images of the body's skull and compared them to a photo of Elmer taken at the time of his death and confirmed that it was indeed Oh my gosh, that's wild. When this story got out, several funeral homes offered to bury Elmer's body free of charge, which I thought was really, Yeah. yeah. The body was eventually given to a man named Fred Olds, who represented the Oklahoma Westerners Indian Territory Posse. I looked it up. It's an organization that promotes the study and preservation of the history of the American West oh, okay. through programs, field trips, and speakers. Yeah. So, on April 22nd, 1977, 
Nearly 66 years after he had been oh, killed, my gosh. Elmer McCurdy was buried in the Boot Hill section of the Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma. I made it back to Oklahoma. Yes. Right next to actual Wild West outlaw Bill Doolin. Oh. 300 people attended the gravesite service. Oh, my service. gosh. Yeah. And he didn't have any family. No. And then he had that. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's like, he's not... A good guy, right? No, but right. you also kind of root like for him. he's just like cheesy. Yeah, yeah. You're like he but didn't kill he anybody, did, no. but I mean he did try. Like he did right. shoot at those police officers. Yeah, but it's just like oh he man, self defense. Sixty six years shoppers, after but... he'd been killed. Wow, just the preservation of the body alone. Like that Undertaker. Whoa, whoa. What's his name needed that when he was trying to preserve his lover? Yes. Mm-hmm. Carl Tanzler. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tanzler. You know, I saw this headline that was like body found on the $6 million man oh my gosh. set. And I had no idea, again, what a story. <laughs> and then it led to this whole other story that I'm getting ready to record so for the excited. Patreon. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah. We love you all. We'll be back Friday with another episode. Yep. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>